Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Today, we're talking to Carmel Jenkin. Carmel is a figurative artist from Melbourne, Australia, who specializes in the female form. So Tara and I both came across Carmel around the same time, but on different social media platforms. And both of us were just, well, immediate fans. Her paintings are incredibly beautiful and unique. And in this interview, Carmel talks honestly and frankly about how her art over the years has reflected her own connection to her own body. Not only is Carmel a prolific artist, but she's also incredibly good at creating interesting and engaging content across social media. So as you can imagine, we have a huge amount to talk about today. And trust me, this is an interview you will learn plenty from and won't want to miss. So enjoy the interview. Okay, so Carmel, um, thank you so, so much for joining us today. We've been so excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, no, you're so welcome. But I do want to start right at the very beginning because um, me and Tara are both um, real fans of your stuff. But um, I'd love to know where it all started. When did you actually very first start making art? I probably first started making art in primary school. And it, you know, when you do book illustrations for like social studies or science, and I was always like pulled out to the front of the class for having the best presented book. And um, it then sort of carried on to when I went on to high school and I went to a school that had a really good art program. And of course, I always loved art, but it wasn't until 1992 that I knew that I wanted to be an artist. Um, Basically, my mum passed away that year from cancer. And I don't know what happened, but my art just took off. And everything that I produced just seemed to do really well. And because the school had a really good art program, um, it just sort of elevated everything for me and cemented for me in my mind that I wanted to be I knew then and then that I wanted to be an artist and basically it helped me through my grieving process because all the images that I produced were well basically the first painting I ever did was of my mum so yeah it just sort of started in high school and then it just continued on from there Um, I think there was an art coordinator from the high school that really liked my work and she invited me to put my work into exhibition buildings in Brisbane. I'm from Brisbane in Queensland. Um, that was, um, this is in 1993. So basically my work got put into exhibition foyers. So I was still sort of in school and um, I was only a young girl and my work had sold out in these little exhibition um, buildings. So I really didn't know what I was doing, but I had someone, an art coordinator that was looking after me. So when I finished school, she sort of stayed in touch with me. And um, of course, 
she wanted me to go to art university because back then that's what you did. Um, but uh, she also introduced me to a gallery owner and uh, I had my first ex exhibition in probably, what year, 1998. So, cause I'm sort of jumping everywhere, but I went to art school and then when I finished art school, I had my first solo show, but it was from this contact from my high school. So art had sort of always been there and um, it had been a way for me to, I think, essentially cope with my the grief of my of, of my mother's death because I actually, I was only 15 and sort of not yet a woman and it was just a really difficult time and difficult things for me to process and, um, yeah, art had sort of been the only consistent thing in my life and also... I wasn't, I went to a school where you really wanted to do well and I wasn't actually really, really good at anything else like um, maths and science English, and I tried really hard and art was the only thing that was effortless for me and um, the only thing I seemed to get good marks at and so it's sort of like you sort of, when you when you feel like you're good at something, you just stick at it and also I, I loved it and it was sort of an obsession so, and also um, I came from a really academic family. So my brothers all did really well at school and my dad was a teacher. So I felt the pressure to do really well. And when I wasn't doing well at the other subjects, I sort of just, you know, just focused on art. And that's why I knew sort of straight away that I wanted to be an artist. And it was sort of hard because it was at a time in the late nineties when, you know, to become an artist wasn't really, considered a profession I mean it was but it's just really hard to get in you had to be represented by a gallery and um it's just there was no social media back then um yeah I mean my dad really tried to convince me not to do it um but I was I mean I was headstrong and I I loved it and it made me feel good so I just sort of didn't listen to his advice. Plus also my art teacher always seemed to be really stressed and dad was stressed as well being a teacher. And I just thought, you know, he, he said, if you're going to do art, go on and do education after you finish your art degree. But after seeing, you know, how stressed my art teacher was and how stressed my father was, I just sort of, it sort of turned me off wanting to become an art teacher. And also I just wanted to focus solely on producing art and, and not sort of judge art through the week. And then you know, I felt like I wouldn't have enough petrol in the tank to do art on the weekends if I was teaching art. So, but anyway, um, that's sort of, I'm sort of like trying to condense about 30 years in a sentence. It's really hard. I've still got so much to go. It's interesting that, um, I mean, we're going to dive into so many different areas, but I'm just, just going back to what you're saying about you weren't particularly academic. It's interesting that creatives often aren't, are they? That you're either creative or you're, or you're the opposite. Yeah. How I did mean, you find art school? Okay. Um, I have pros and cons. I, I, when I went to art school, I felt like the lecturers didn't like my work. Um, I was considered to be my work was considered to be too traditional because I remember whenever I was getting my paintings or my drawings assessed, they'd always say to me that um, you're not avant-garde enough. And they just wanted me to come up with more original ideas because I was still working traditionally. I was drawing, I was still drawing and painting the female form and it, they wanted me to do something crazy. Like I remember there was, I had like three other 
um, art students in a room with me and one of them was, I don't know if I should say this, but I will. She put her menstrual blood on the wall as an installation and she got top marks. She got top marks. That does not surprise me at all. I don't know if you want to edit this out, but, yeah, I just remember she was considered to be one of the elite students and I really felt like a bit of an outcast. Um, I wasn't, I mean, back then it was like a bit of a stereotype, but it was like there was a lot of grungy artists and I sort of went to university sort of well-dressed and I don't know, I I didn't really fit in with anyone, not that I wanted to, but um, it was just... I found that I, I just didn't feel good enough. However, that's the negative. The positive is that you got to have electives and I elected painting and I elected drawing and through drawing, I got to do life drawing classes. And that was when I found my real love and my real freedom and my real joy in life because I got to do these classes twice a week. And through that, I just knew this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to draw the female form and I just want to, you know, do my crazy things to it. And I just remember like in these classes, everyone was really concerned about getting the female form, um, like the anatomy correct when they had the, the female in front of them. And I was just like, I don't know why, but I just wanted to distort or exaggerate and just do something a bit crazy and yeah, I just, um, I just found my real love in those classes. So I don't know, can I say that art school was beneficial? It was in some ways because of that, because I found my real love and joy. And then it was negative in the sense that I didn't feel like I was supported enough, but then maybe that was a good thing. I don't know. But I didn't know what else to do at that sort of stage because art school was sort of after high school, you had art school and then you just had to help hope to be represented by a gallery. So I just thought it was the right natural progression and I made the most of it. I mean, I passed, but I just, I sort of didn't come out of it feeling good about myself, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can, Can I ask, before you were doing those live drawing classes, you said you were painting the female form anyway. So How were you painting the female form then? Okay. Basically, when going back to high school and after my mum died and I started to paint portraits of her and after I finished school, I I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about it on here or not, but I thought, okay, I'm just going to come out with it. I I developed an eating disorder in the late 90s and um, it was actually – I don't know if it had to do with society back then, but I don't know. I mean, you guys are both my era. And in the 90s, do you remember like the waif period where everyone just wanted to be super skinny? Yeah. Like, Mm. I think because my, I was going through, you know, after my mum had passed and my father was looking after me and I had three brothers and I don't know, maybe I just felt a bit lost. Um, I was... I I don't know I was partying a bit and I just I sort of lost my way and I think I just developed an eating disorder and I probably had it for about a good three or four years um it was it was awful um I'd lost so much weight and um but I had basically transitioned from doing works of art of my mom then I just started drawing 
the female form, but just in a more skeletal, emotive sort of way. So I just transitioned from that naturally. I was basically drawing myself, but not really realizing it at the time. But it was sort of like my, I think now, looking back at it, perhaps my coping mechanism or my way of having control or, and I, you know what, I'm so glad I had drawing in my life because it just, yeah, you know, it, it got me through it basically, but it just kept me doing something that I suppose was positive or I don't know. Um, Sounds like it was a therapy for you. It was that it was, it must've been. And um, yeah, it, it became addictive. Well, I can't really think of a worse age to, to lose your mum at 15 when you're just sort of going all through the hormonal changes and, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm very, very interested what you said about you were, you were drawing sort of skeletal figures at the time. Yes. When now you absolutely clearly really embrace the female curves and the shapes. Um, yes. and so that's kind of like almost the polar opposite. So what made you then start to embrace the curves? And do you think that was partly how you overcame your own um, eating disorders? I think, I mean, there were still some images with curves back then, but I just remember distinctly more the bones coming through a lot. But mm. um, basically the transition was I, I actually, so I had my, it's very hard for me to say, I had my two of my first solo shows in Brisbane and I was sick for both of them. But I, I stayed in Brisbane and had my solo shows and they went okay. And then my sickness had got to a level where basically my period was going to stop. So I knew I had to change my life. And I, I basically, I was very close with my brother at that point and he lived in Melbourne. So basically, even though I had support in Brisbane and I was represented by a gallery, I actually decided to leave Brisbane and moved to Melbourne by myself and be with my brother because I felt super close to him and I wanted to change my life and I wanted to start eating properly. So I wanted to start from scratch. So I did that for basically mental health and um, to get myself better. So I just, I essentially gave up on art for a little period of time to help myself. So how old were you then? I moved to Melbourne in just before Twin Towers, I remember, so 2000. So I had already two solo shows in Brisbane and I was doing quite well and had a lot of support. I mean, doing well as like newspaper articles and having representation back then. But in between, I, I always worked a job, like I was working in retail. But, you know, I was content because I wasn't paying rent. I was living with my dad and... I was making money from selling my art from those buildings and from my exhibition. So I had actually a little bit of money saved, but I, it came to a point where it was, my health was the most important thing. So I just decided, and because I was super close with my brother and I, I knew that he could help me, I decided to just move to Melbourne with no friends and um, no help with my art, no social media, just start my life again. And I moved to Melbourne and I, I really pulled myself together and basically I put on 10 kilos in the first two months. So I just wanted to 
regulate my eating and just make sure that I was mentally okay. And it's funny, like, that you should ask how my work developed into curves again. I wasn't even sure if I was going to do art again because how do you start again in a city where you don't know anyone? And, you know, Melbourne is actually more known for art than Brisbane. And I just didn't have any contacts. And, you know, I just was, I was, I think I was working a job in retail five days a week and I wasn't even sure how I was going to start art again. All my, my art rooms were in Brisbane. I, I was staying in an apartment with no art space whatsoever. So I was, yeah, I, I wasn't even sure how I was going to do art again, but the most important thing was that I was well. And then I think within the first year or two of living in Melbourne, maybe the second year, um, and mind you, I haven't done art for that long. I, one year without doing art. I was in the city with my brother walking around, I don't know, and I ran into this this boy that I used to date from Brisbane. And he said, oh, come on, what are you doing in Melbourne? I said, oh, I moved here. I live here now. And he goes, oh, I go, how are you? What are you doing? He said, I'm an artist now. And I go, what? I didn't even know that he did art. And he said, yeah, I'm represented by a gallery in the city. He said, you know what? It's a really good gallery. And he goes, and I know that you do art. He goes, you should go see my gallery owner. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he passed on the details and I said, I will actually, I'll contact him because I mean, it was, it was, you know, a a little bit of hope and I didn't think the gallery would take me on or anything. I just thought, you know what, I'll go and see the gallery. It was a great gallery. It was in um, Melbourne city and downstairs was really expensive jewelry and upstairs was a beautiful gallery. And I thought there's no way that I'm going to be taken on by this guy. And anyway, I went in and had an interview with him and he was Back then it was, I don't know if you guys had this in the 90s, but remember those little black folio cases with photographs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was like the only thing I had to show my work. So I rocked up with a black little folio case. I was nervous as hell and sat down and had an interview and he was looking at my work and I'm thinking, oh, he's not going to like my work. And anyway, he said, close the thing and he goes, love your work. I'll give you a show next June. I'm like, wow. What? <laughs> and I was wow. like, so shocked. And I was like, oh, but I don't I don't have any art materials or art space or da-da. And he said, <laughs> you know what he did? He organized for all my some of my artwork and all my my the um easel my father made for me that I'm very sentimental about. He organized, he got a truck sent to my home in Brisbane and got everything sent down to my place in Melbourne. Oh, so wow. Yeah, so everything was sent. He was it was awesome. I've never experienced anything like that before. And he um he actually paid for um some of my art materials to to work with for the show in June. He believed in me that much. He believed in me more than I believed in myself. But it was a chance and an opportunity, and I was going to take it because you know back then with no socials, you could only rely on gallery representation. And um, he actually, when he was looking through my folio, he liked the ones of just the simple lines of the curved ladies in nude, but just very, very simple. And he said, I want you to do more of that. And then he said, I also want you to do paintings. And I just quickly went, ah, because I consider myself to be more of a person that likes drawing. I'm, I don't consider myself to be a painter. I know that I have paintings, but I just prefer to do drawings. And I was like a bit stressed out about it. He goes, I'm going to buy you three canvases, really big ones, and I just want you to paint on them. And I said, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll 
I said, I've had a bit of break from doing artwork, but I'll get back into it again and I'll start drawing and drawing and drawing and create a portfolio of drawings for the show. And then I'll do my paintings last once I've developed a bit of momentum and confidence. And that's exactly what happened. So this was June 2000 and I think 2005 or 2006. Yeah. So that was my first solo show in Melbourne. Oh gosh, I was so nervous. Um, but, um, I actually had an okay turnout because I don't know if you watch one of my reels, but I've actually, I worked as a waitress for about 20, 21 years now. And, um, I work part-time now I work one shift a week, but I had invited where I work is quite elite customers that go there. And I invited some of them to my art exhibition and some of them actually bought some of my work, but most of the people that went to the exhibit were, from the gallery so um yeah I just I did I did pretty well on my first show so he invited me to have another show the following year and I did and that that exhibit actually did better and that was more paintings um and then I had another show in 2009 with him and I thought that show was actually for me I felt was my best show because I actually developed my painting to a level where I was really happy with but for some reason, my work didn't sell that well at that show. And after that year, I think Australia was going through some sort of recession and he just decided not to do any more um, gallery exhibits. So basically he let me go, but he let go all of his artists. So I was left to start again. And um, I, I already had the momentum. Like I already had I'd done all these drawings and all these paintings and I just wanted to keep continuing on my path and I felt a bit lost again. I'm like, oh God, I have to pivot again. So I um, I think this was 2010 now. So 2010, I, I started a, I don't, I think it was a blog on Tumblr. And because, um, you know, when blogging, the rise of blogging had started before social yeah, media. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, we, we were both big bloggers. Yeah. Were you on Tumblr? Not on Tumblr. Or, I I had a WordPress blog. Okay. No, I, I WordPress was too complicated for me. <laughs> I had just a Blogspot one. That's how I started. It was a big thing, wasn't it? I and mean, then you got a new follower, and you'd be like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I really yeah. loved it, and it just I it did. was it was good because it helped me write about my work. So basically, every day, I mean, I was childless then, and I produced a lot more work, and I do all these drawings, and then once I'd finished, I'd photograph it. And then I was a bit naughty because sometimes I'd photograph it in artificial light and then I would put it on the Tumblr blog and then I'd write a little caption, something about it, and then off it went into the world. And, yeah, I um, I then I was thinking, how am I going to sell my work because I wasn't represented by a gallery and I joined this site called Daily Painters. I don't know if you've heard about that. It's just yeah, an online. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, that – that was fabulous. It was fabulous for me because even though I had done exhibitions, I actually really disliked doing them. Like I was really, really nervous on the night. And also when it came to talking about my work to customers, I would say things that was absolutely ridiculous. I'm thinking, what vomit am I saying? And, you know, when I got to do this daily painters, I was like, oh, okay, I can just sell my work online and I don't have to talk to anyone. And I'll just do my Tumblr <laughs> blog. It was it was perfect for me. And but the thing was, 
pricing. I was always concerned about pricing because when I had my exhibits, um, he would price my drawings that were framed like $1,450 and my big paintings were $5,000. So when I started this Tumblr blog and daily painters, I'm like, I don't know if people are going to, people aren't going to spend that much money. And I was like up and R about it because my brother's like, keep your prices high. And then I thought, well, you know what? I just want to get my work out there. I said, I'm happy with $350 a drawing. I'm happy with that. And so I started selling my, I think I started at 350 each. And so I didn't actually write the price on the site. People had to contact me through email and they did. And I said, okay, it's 350. And then- Are we talking American dollars? Or Australian Australian. dollars. Australian. Australian dollars. Yeah. So I, I basically went down from 1450 a drawing that was framed though, um, mm. to 350 And I did not mind at all about my ego. I just sort of thought I need to start again and I'm going to start small. And the way I sort of thought about it is the more I can get my work out there, the more people, the more eyeballs will see it and it will just sort of spread. And that's actually really what happened. I was selling consistently on Daily Painters and I was actually really happy with my life because I didn't have to talk to people about my art. I mean, they'd email me and ask me about it, but it's easy to construct something in an email because you can edit it. But if you just verbally vomit something that you're not happy with, you can't really take that back. So I was was hiding behind a blog and Daily Painters for a while and then, oh, I loved it. And then... Basically, that finished up. Uh, when did that? Oh, okay. Well, first of all, my Tumblr blog got axed. Um, they wrote to me and they said that a Russian spy had reblogged one of my pieces and they had to take my Tumblr site down. But I actually what? think the real. No, I know. This is exactly what happened to me. Do you know? I was so stressed because I put so much effort and energy into this blog over the years and it meant so much to me. It was my work and my writing and my art. And it was actually my website as well because my carmeljenkin.com was actually joined to my Tumblr blog. And when it got taken down, my website got taken down with it. And I'm, I'm thinking now I'm thinking it's the community guidelines issue because the images were nude and they just didn't write to me and say that to me. I don't know. But you see, there's lots of explicit stuff on Tumblr that has been taken down. But my work, I don't, I don't know. I mean... It's not explicit your work, though, is it? No, I don't think it's, your it's work a motive, is but there's always someone that can yeah. take things the wrong way, and you know, I mean, everyone sees things differently. Like, yeah, some people can be offended by an exposed nipple, so you know, and I, I do have some nipples in my work. So anyway, I I've never really known the truth of the matter. I've written to them several times, but all I got told was this Russian spy had reblogged one of my pieces, and I was like, this is just absolutely ridiculous. So anyway, I just had to let that go. And guess what? I had to start again. I had to start again. But Daily Painters had still existed. And then all of a sudden that went down as well. Something happened and she said she was no longer doing it. I was absolutely devastated. I was absolutely devastated because that was my that was my money and I was in a mode and I was I was doing well with it. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? And I thought, okay, I'm gonna have to find another site like Daily Painters. And, um, but then I didn't have a website and then, oh, I didn't even tell you, I mean, through all of this, I'd started Instagram 
So I started Instagram. Gosh, I can't even tell you what year I started Instagram. I didn't even want to start Instagram when Instagram was on. I I procrastinated for the first couple of years. I remember all my friends were on Instagram with their makeup and beauty and they're like, you need to join Instagram for your art. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to do that because I was still set in my ways. Like I was doing my Tumblr blog thing. And, but when the Tumblr blog thing finished, I was like, okay, well, maybe I should give this Instagram thing a try. And I thought maybe I'm a bit late for it, but I'll just give it a go anyway. So um, I jumped on Instagram and it actually didn't take that long to sort of develop um, a following. Uh, back then, I think it was a little bit easier, but um, I think there was just one photo that changed everything for me, I remember, and then I started to grow. But back then, there wasn't like a community guideline issue and and basically you could be featured on someone's page and you got a lot of followers and, yeah, Anyway, I'm backtracking. I'm sort of lost where I was talking about. What was I talking no, about? No, no, it's, <laughs> it's really interesting. No, it's really interesting to see to. Oh, okay, know, to I'm hear talking your about story. pivoting. Pivoting. But, yeah, yeah yes. I just can I just pivot back one little bit because there's something yeah, sure, like you sure. touched on earlier. You touched on earlier that you, when you were at art school, you went to life drawing classes. Um, yes. And I always, obviously, you when I see your stuff, because you are a really prolific artist, you create so much work and it's all different. Um, and I just think, well, either everyone, you know, is just stripping off whatever you say, you know, can I, can I please paint you naked? Or you, do you still go to life classes for your inspiration, your reference, or, or are you now at that point where you, you kind of just do it from imagination? Or draw yourself, yeah. like Sandra. Sandra likes drawing her own bum. So, oh yes, I really <laughs> like that that bum artwork with the peach. It actually reminded me of my my fruit bowl. I, I have a fruit bowl drawing, and it's actually a oh, a bowl, a bowl of one. boobs. I call it a bowl of <laughs> boobs, but I try not to. Yeah, because it's all breast in a bowl. But I just call it, it's a fruit bowl. And when I saw that, because I have a peach in it as well, and I love how it just sort of the peach imitates the bum. So it's kind of yeah, like yeah, that's a, right. a, a, a really just, nice play. Yeah, I, I really I just, appreciate that. I just that recently sold, sold the apple one. I sold the apple one, oh, but the, the peach one I've still got. I've still got the peach one. But, um, yeah, I loved uh, it. That was because I'm a, obviously, you, you obviously know I'm a realism painter and it was kind of my way of trying to um, put realism with something a lot looser and to see if it worked. And I, I really enjoyed it. I so enjoyed it. But um, obviously, I, I couldn't find anyone who was willing to, to get their bum out for me. So I had to kind of, I had to photograph myself and I, and I had to then admit it. Oh, okay. <laughs> because people kept saying, oh. whose bum is it? <laughs> yeah, no, it looks fantastic. I'm really, yeah, are you going to do more of these sort of pieces now that you feel encouraged? I, I'd love to play around. I'd love to play around with some more of that kind of realism meets non-realism um, for sure. And I, and I do, I've always loved um, figure drawing. I mean, yours are just insane. But yeah, do, where do you go to find your reference? Or do you, do you go online to look for models that way? Oh, no, I, I do it by memory and my imagination. Cause, so basically what happened was I did so many life drawing classes when I was at uni and when I finished uni, I just, you know, I continued on with it. But when I was doing the classes, I 
started to distort the figure. I wouldn't ever draw the image perfect. And I found that when I incorporated a bit of my imagination, I had more fun. So basically it got to a stage where I actually wanted to save money as well. So I stopped doing life drawing classes and I just got home and I thought I've drawn so many female form nudes that I just know what, what it is. So I'm just going to create a line and start with a, a line or a, a thrown ink and then just draw around it what what it, you know, let the form build itself and just create something out of imagination. And I found that my work has been better. Uh, well, I don't want to say better, but I just, that's how I've developed. So I actually haven't done a life drawing class until just a couple of weeks ago. I decided to do one because I've, I've been feeling like I wanted to shake things up and I really love the life drawing class atmosphere, like just seeing other artists. I haven't had contact with other artists in so long. I've been a bit of a recluse and I just wanted to shake things up and see how I would go. And I found that I, <laughs> I was still drawing like I would in my studio. And, and when I, I walked around the class and I was watching how everyone else was doing their drawings and they were making sure everything was, perfect the anatomy was perfect and all the composition was there and and mine was just completely different to everyone else's and yeah I mean it was fun they all walked past my work and they went oh that looks like Picasso oh that's very bacon oh that's Dali I'm like oh yeah I've heard this all before (laughs) but you know I mean it's not you know that's just how it is but I, I really enjoyed doing the class. But yeah, I don't I don't do them enough and I mean I, I'm thinking of doing them again just to just to shake things up because I've been doing it from imagination for so long. I want to see what it's like with a reference now. So this is backtracking a bit, but on curious, can you remember when you first went abstract? Can you remember the first painting you did when it was no longer this actual figure figure? It was this this loose thing. Um it's hard to say because I have these different styles. So I think I think going back to my first exhibition, remember how he bought me three big canvases and I had to do paintings? I think they yeah. were my first sort of real abstract, like big black, just black lines that are sort of void of emotion. Um, still the female form, but just a different way of telling it. So that for me was was a real break from my sort of, emotive um female form that was a little bit more realistic it was just this one was just all pure line and just um lines that could go in any direction still a touch of the female form I mean it was there but it was just less distinct um yeah I can see one behind you is that what you're talking about yes oh that one was that one was actually a mistake um that one was actually something that I, I painted on. It's actually the wrong way. So I, I did a massive painting and I when I finished it was black and red and it was acrylic. And um, when I finished it, I thought it looked a bit demonic because it had <laughs> – I, I should, probably shouldn't say it, but I just, it just looked a bit evil. And I just thought, who's going to want to hang that in their house? And I was second-guessing myself and I was just really irritated by it every day and I thought – you know what, I've got nothing to lose because it wasn't going to go in the show. It was This was after the show. So I had this spare canvas hanging around in my house. So I thought, okay, I'm frustrated. And I I 
painted over well I didn't paint over I used oil sticks because I draw with my paint so I used oil sticks and I drew over it and that's what eventuated my stick person and I've only got one of this painting and for some reason I've had like so many people contact me wanting to buy it but I just can't sell it because it's part of my house and it makes my house look better <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I need it for my house because you know I, and I, I've grown to love it because it's just you know I think it was my brother he came over one day and he says oh I love that painting and I said oh it's the wrong way how can you like that I said it's meant to be this way and he's like oh no I like it that way keep it that way and it's true you know so it just sort of I don't know I I I really need to do more painting. I just haven't pushed myself enough because I don't have a, I know it sounds like a cop out, but I don't have enough time. And if I had enough it's time. It's funny, you, you're saying you really need to do some more painting yes. and you, you don't, you don't and, and it's for me, it's the complete opposite. I feel out like now I need to do more of the sort of simple flowing, you know, sketchy kind of stuff because I spend so much time painting. So it's quite interesting that we're both looking oh, at wow. yeah. <laughs> different ways. I know. But it's talk like about your process. My process? Well, I was going to say, you were talking about oil sticks and, okay. um, you know, you draw with oil sticks. And I'd love to know your whole process. So from from beginning to end, is there a lot of pre-sketches going on? Do okay. you sketch it out first and then go over it? How, how do you work? There's There's quite a different process between my paintings and my drawings because I have more mm. confidence with my drawings and they're really intuitive and, and from the heart and, and pretty much straight away, like, something will come out and but paintings because I have a bit of apprehension about it I always sketch it out first and then I paint my idea so I have a little sketch sketchbook and this goes for my um big black and white paintings like the one behind me and also I don't know if you've seen my oil paintings that are more um of color and neutral tones they're more um yeah they are all um, drawings I've done in a sketchbook and then I've taken that and done a painting of it basically I can't because painting I feel like I'm not great with a paintbrush so I'll, I'll do I even when I did painting at university I used a knife to do all my paintings I could I just hated the paintbrush I just felt so impatient with it and um, I just knifed on all the oil paint throughout through all my paintings so um but when I had to do this show, I found a brush in um, my 2006 show for the three big ones, my black and white paintings. I found it. I don't know what it's called. It's like a Japanese. It's like a calligraphy brush. And yeah, I know what you mean. It's like a sword brush. Almost, yeah, isn't it, it? They call them sword brushes. I, I'm not kind sure, but it's like kind of point... long. Like the, yeah, it's like a, an angled Um. Yeah, but when you dip it into the paint, and I, I use the golden paint and I... I put something with it to make it really fluid. And then when I use the brush with it, it just it's like calligraphy. It just flows and it's like I'm mm. drawing on canvas. And it took me a while to get to that point because I, I, I was using brushes. I was really apprehensive about starting these paintings. I'm like, oh, I, I don't like the look these brushes are doing. And then I spoke to the lady at the art shop. She said, try this brush. And I tried it and it worked. So that was what I used for my big black and white line paintings. But for my... um. For my um, more colourful works, I use oil stick. And if I need to sharpen it, I will use a paintbrush for the edges. But basically, I just paint everything on with an oil stick and then just sharpen it with um, 
a paintbrush and I'll also use charcoal on my paintings. I am not a rule follower at all. I'm terrible. I mix oil and acrylic. Um, it's, it's awful. I've always been told not to do that, but something like that. It was just always a no, no at my university. I said, don't mix them together. So what do I do? I mix them together. (laughs) Oil paint. I'm just so impatient with oil paint. Like I just, the, it takes so long to dry. And because with drawing, I'm so trained with doing drawing and the immediacy of drawing. Mm. Then when I start an oil painting, I have to wait. So, you know, when you get in that frustrated rut where you just want to finish something and you've got to wait for it to dry and then you sort of keep reworking it and it gets murky and you're like, Oh God, I've got to stop. I got I need to wait till tomorrow. You know, I don't, I yeah, never get that, I feeling, that feeling with drawing. Well. <laughs> yeah. I can't no. be doing with painting, especially I can't be doing with mixing colors. I don't know about you, but there's something horrible about having a palette full of mixed color. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, I don't mind me? all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all so different, aren't we? What surfaces do you work on? Because when I did my bums on canvas and I thought, you know what, if I was ever going to play with this some more, canvases are expensive. And if it didn't work out, you know, you're just stuck with loads of canvases. Oh, Whereas, you yeah. know, what, what do you work it's on? It's funny that you say that because when I started drawing, I actually did charcoal works on canvas when I was younger and mm. I found that to be... I love the look of it, but the thing is you had to get it framed in glass because it's just so fragile. So it just sort of ended up being an expensive process. So I ended up just um, using paper. And I think I started off, I mean, actually some of my best drawings are on the worst quality paper. It's unbelievable. I just, I I think it's because (laughs) I'm not, you know, so precious about it. But um, I've still got some of my old pieces from like the 1990s that are on cartridge paper and I absolutely love it. But, you know, um, I then progressed onto my favorite paper was like a Canford card or Canson card. And then they both got um, discontinued in Australia and it just really broke my heart. So I ended up using Stonehenge is what I use now. But the problem is the Stonehenge paper is a different size to the Canson and Canford card. So on my website, I have all these drawings for sale and someone will contact me and say, I want to buy these two. Are they the same size? And I'm like, oh, one's on this paper and one's on that paper. They're on different sizes. So it always is a little bit of a bummer but because you, you want to try and keep it consistent. But, yeah, um, so basically, yeah, I use um, Stonehenge paper for my drawings and for my um, – Is that a watercolour? Was that a watercolour paper? It is, it is supposed – well, it can handle – because I actually – Tara, some of your drawings, the way you start is how I start. Like you throw on ink randomly, don't you? Yeah. And then you yeah. work – Well, yeah. not, ran, not randomly. <laughs> but kind of. About? Yeah. I yeah. do? Yeah. Instinctively. Yeah, I, I, I have a face there, so I do start with a reference. And okay. I am um, – Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I use a dropper bottle. Yeah. I, I do that as well. I drop I just use the dropper bottle and then I form my figure around it. So um, I just love those weird lines it makes and it's just crazy and then you can just create something. But, um, yeah, so I use it. the Stonehenge. It doesn't bubble on the Stonehenge paper. So right. I think it, it is a watercolour sort of, I don't know, it's a, very, it's a very expensive paper now here in Australia, I'm telling you. I bought four sheets <laughs> the other day and it was $80. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Blimey. Yeah, everything. <laughs> Even a, a charcoal stick now is five dollars, and I go through charcoal like wow. like so quickly. It's five dollars a charcoal stick. So yeah, it's. Oh, go and ha- have a look for. Um, I don't know if you can get them over there. CY art boards. They're oh, like okay. Uh, I'll car- write that down. What's it called again? 
Sea White Artboard. Sea White Mixed Media Artboard. And it's actually a cartridge paper that's bound to like a board on both, this piece on both sides. But it seems to be able to handle ink and everything. That's what I use. Okay. And they're yeah, relatively cheap. They're relatively cheap. Char- Tara, you've been wanting to work larger as well, haven't yes. you? And you keep saying, oh, I really, really want to look, but she's not been brave no. enough yet. What size are your what size are your drawings? Are they are they um, A3? Eight, yeah, A3 at the moment. And oh, I've just no, I thought some, they were a lot bigger. They, no, they feel some... bigger on Instagram for some reason. And but yeah, <laughs> I I actually like like working small as well. I, I do do some really minimal drawings that are just small, but I still do it on the big paper for some reason. Ah, right. So, yeah. But um, so, I'm, I'm curious, like when you're actually doing a, a full-on painting, do you have, or a drawing actually, it doesn't, doesn't really matter, do you ever get so it's not working? Uh, and oh what do you gosh. do if that happens? What do you All do? the time. It happens a lot. Um, I think I'm in a place now of self-acceptance of knowing sometimes things aren't going to work out. So I'm actually okay with it. And I was, I was telling myself not to say bad art, but sometimes I just sort of let myself keep creating, um, what I think is bad art or let, let myself go down that rabbit hole until I get to a place of redemption. And I, and I usually do, but it can just take a while. So, um, Sometimes I keep reworking things and reworking things and then I hide it um, <laughs> because and then I come back to it later and I love it or I'll come back to it later and I still hate it. But it's so hard because when you judge your own work, it's it's sometimes people will actually like something that you do that you think is not that great. Like sometimes I yeah, found totally. yeah. and my favorite it's absolutely my favorite pieces have not sold, but the pieces that. I don't like as much have sold. It's it's really crazy. So it's hard to judge yourself and say bad art because what is bad art to you may be really good art to someone else. So I shouldn't say it, but I said it. So No, I think we all find that. Well I guess one creator out of menstrual blood is Oh I would my god, say, I still think about her bad. to this day. I'm haunted <laughs> until I die. I'm like <laughs> How did she get top marks and I'm <laughs> But anyway, uh, where is she now? I uh, wonder. I, I wonder. I was never really. Yeah. I never. I only had really one good friend at that uni. I was really different to everyone. They were all really grungy, and I didn't really fit in. So I never really stayed in contact with anyone. So except for that one lady, and she's actually doing really well. She she actually failed the course and then came back and ended up being a full on artist. So goes to show you that 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 course. It's <laughs> amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Now, I assume you're a full-time artist. The cafe. You I'm not cafe. sure if you saw my reel the other day, but I I thought, you know what, I'm going to be real and authentic. And I've actually worked as a waitress for the past 21 years. And I, I've worked part-time. I used to work three shifts a week before I had my daughter. And then basically through COVID, obviously no one was working. And... Um, by the time I got back to work after COVID had sort of gone down a bit, um, my art had really built up through COVID. So I only went back to work one shift a week, but I was actually in a position to quit and I had to really, really think about it because I don't know, I've been in that job for so long and I know my customers and uh, it's really weird. It's like, it's my contact with people and I thrive. Yeah. Off, yeah. Otherwise I'm a recluse. I have no contact with people. And I, I, my, I see a lot of emotion in people at my work and 
it fuels me a little bit. I, I learn a lot from people. So I learned to how to deal with people and how to handle situations. So by quitting my job, it's sort of like I'm eliminating that from my life. And even though everyone dreams about being a full-time artist, I'm still producing the artwork. I'm just working one day a week. Um, yeah, so, so how, do you, how do you actually organise and balance your time then? So, so what, what would be an average week then for you? Okay. Or day or whatever, a working day maybe. I take it you're, you're working one day a week as a waitress. I presume that art, art is out of the question on that day. Yeah, I take, I take that day. I actually take Thursday to, I take Thursday to Sunday off social media. I try to anyway, mm. definitely off Instagram because the content creation on Instagram at the moment is out of control that I need to have that time off to be present with my family, especially my daughter. And, um, so basically from Monday to Thursday, I do, I, I do my content creation and I, and then I actually do most of my artwork when everyone's asleep. I'm a bit of a night owl. I always have been because when I, I mean, years ago when I was waitering, I would do, I'd work till three o'clock in the morning. So I'm sort of used to doing, staying up late, but it's just really hard now because I have a kid and she gets up super early. So to my detriment, I don't sleep much. Um, it's hard. I'm tired all the time. I drink a lot of coffee. Uh, I'm trying to work out it. I mean, it's, it's a struggle. It's a juggle. And, um, but when you have drive, you sort of make it work. So basically Monday to Thursday, I do my art, and my content creation, and then Friday I work. And then on the weekends, I try to stay present with my family, but I'll, I'll do a little bits of here and there. And then, and then I repeat the process again. So basically, I'm, like I'm, always, I'm always surprised on Twitter when you messaged me before and it's like 1am where you are. It's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually stay up till, I used to stay up, this is terrible, I used to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning and then I'd have to get up at 7.30 and take my daughter to school, make her lunch, take her to school and then I'd come back home and I'd go back to sleep. And I found that that was really, really bad for my health. Um, I, I did some research about it. And plus, I, I have really low iron. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I've, I've got to look after myself. So um, I've only stopped doing that recently. So I've been trying to go to bed half an hour earlier every night. I'm trying to slow down and, and better myself because, um, yeah, it's, I'm sort of burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, this seems very, very unfair because you, I mean, you're telling us you, you live on coffee, you go to bed really, really late and you look insanely young for it. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, when I heard you guys talk about me on that other podcast, I almost <laughs> fell off my seat because you said, oh, you're really young. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm 45. So I don't think they know how old oh I am. God. No, not at all. And, and funny enough, we're going to talk about your reels a bit later, but it was ju- it's just that we were talking, we were saying, just for anyone listeners out there that don't know what we're talking about, we, we were talking about Carmel in one of our podcasts. We were talking about um, social media content and stories and making reels and things like this. And, and, of, and we, were, we mentioned you because uh, we, we will go into this a bit later, but you are amazing at, um, at reels and stories and doing all these things. And what we said was it does help when you're young and beautiful, which obviously Aww. you are both. And, and uh, when you, uh, then you came back and said your 
age and I still don't believe you. No. <laughs> I, I'm born in the 70s. <laughs> you guys correct me up. It's so funny. I mean, yeah, I I don't know what it is. Um, maybe it's because of my half Japanese heritage. Um, I remember when my mom was alive. To be honest with you, I thought she was in her 30s when she died. She always lied to me about her age. She was actually 54. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's that. I eat a lot of salmon. I work out at the gym every day. Um, I try to look after myself. But I feel like, I, I mean, I lost my eyesight this year. And I got all my gray hairs this year. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely aging. I'm feeling it. I'm, you know, I've lost density in my face and, but you know, I'm, I'm okay with, I'm actually happier in my forties than I was in my thirties or twenties. I mean, in my twenties, I was miserable. So. Well, I presume I put you at about 32. Oh, I love you. That's what I assumed. I think Tara, you thought about the same, yeah. didn't you? I, sh- I showed Kevin after you said how old you were. I said, how old do you think she is? He goes, oh. I don't know, between 30 and 35. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. That makes me feel we good. We were like, right, where, where, are we go- where are we going wrong? <laughs> Need to stay up later and yeah. drink more coffee. <laughs> so I can't believe this would actually be a, po- a problem for you. There's no way you can be procrastinating when you're getting up that early, going to bed that late. So, but do you procrastinate or do okay. you feel like you don't want to create art? I don't procrastinate when it comes to producing art and doing content creation. I always put that as a priority, but I do procrastinate with actually getting a collection ready and doing newsletters and photographing all my work. And I actually, I've been so slack this year. I have not put one collection together. I've got about four different bodies of work. I've got a pregnant nude collection to release. I've got some black and white drawings. I've got some mixed media drawings. And I've done Jack. I haven't put it together. I haven't <laughs> photographed it. I've got, I've got, and the problem is I think it's just I've got this art cabinet. I don't know if you've seen that holds all my drawings and there's about literally yeah. 5,000 drawings in there. And to go through each <gasps> cabinet and pick and find the ones and then I've got to clean them all because of all the charcoal dust and then I've got to photograph it and, you know, it's winter here so the days are dark. Um, I really rely on light to get better photos. And it's just such a process. And then having to put it all into my website and then I need to do an in situ where, you know, I'll have the picture of my art and then have it also in someone's house so it looks super pretty so people know how it looks in their environment. Like there's so much to do. And on top of my, you know, all my real content and and actually doing the artwork, I have zero time for that. And I, I, and I also said that I'd start doing paintings this year and I haven't done it. I've ordered the canvas and I haven't actually got it sent to my house. It's like, how do you prioritize? Because, you know, it's just how much time is there in the day? It's sort of like I'm yeah. living in the moment and then, you know, I drop my kid to school and then all of a sudden I've got to pick my kid up. I mean, it's shorter hours when they go to school and then I need to stay present when I'm with her because I think, the other day she said to me, I feel horrible. She said to me, Mommy, why are you always on your phone? And I looked at her and I said, I'm working. And then I realized, oh, my God, I'm just losing this time with her because I'm, you know, so I really need to work things out and separate that because, yeah, it's just been a little bit tough. So I, I do procrastinate when it comes to the things that actually need to be done. But for the everyday things, for like, what am I going to post on Instagram? I've got something. And, oh, by the way, ladies, I just joined TikTok. Oh, my goodness. It's like I've thrown another spanner into the works. I mean, (laughs) I'm just so, um, 
yeah, so it's it's coming up with all the media content and then, you know, it doesn't leave a lot of time for anything else. So I really need to sort of, I've got a really good diary and I write down everything I need to get done, but it's like I tick things off and then I just, ah, uh, tomorrow. And I, it never gets done because I just, I get lost in an artwork and then it takes me a while to sometimes think of what to do for a reel. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's challenging to fit everything in and I need to improve on that. Definitely. Can we talk about your social media? Because we were talk- we've been talking about TikTok now, which you've just added, and um, Twitter and everything, which I-, I must admit, I'm incredibly lazy on Twitter. I find Twitter is almost one step far- too fast for me. But Oh, yeah. That's another one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I- your Instagram, well, I-, I've never, I don't think I've seen anyone create as much um, as you in the way of, You've, you put out amazing stories, but particularly your reels and your your posts. Um, first of all, also your audios. Some of your audios, I just think, where on earth does she get this stuff from? It's amazing. I mean, you did a reel a little while ago. And it's just like two men chatting in the background about Picasso or something like that. Oh, I yeah. can't remember. But I thought, where does she get that? I can't find anything like that for my reels. And so... But it's just, it makes everything you do seem just so much more interesting than the average reel that I see on a daily basis by most people. So um, first of all, I'd love to know how you find the time to create such a regular stream of stuff. Um, Do you have any tips to make it easier? And yeah, where do you find those audios? (laughs) Okay. All right. Good questions. Um, Okay. Uh, How do I start? With the audios, basically, okay. So I drop my daughter off to school and then I come home and I have a coffee. So I'm sitting in my lounge room and I make myself a coffee. I sit down and what I do is I have a look at other people's reels. I don't necessarily look at artists' reels. I just look at, I just go to my, um, what do you call the main page on Instagram where everyone... Discover. Yeah, discover. discover. Yeah. And I just yeah. click through because it just has your interests already there anyway. So I just scroll through and... If I see a reel that I like and it's not necessarily an artist or if it's an audio that I like, I just save it and I think, oh, I can apply that to my own, my art. I can do that in my own way. So it just gives me an idea and then once that's saved, I just sort of ruminate on it and then I start my day. I always go to gym first after I have my coffee and then I come back home and I basically film the idea that I had saved in my phone and then that's it but I try to batch as much content as I can in the beginning of the week so I just have the rest of the week free because I don't want to spend too much time doing that I've I used to be precious about it like I I really liked it when Instagram gave more um, prestige to photos because I was only doing one reel a week and that was what my safety net was and that was that was great time for me because I, I love just I loved when Instagram had its magic formula of being a photo platform. Um, It was just easier. You could just hide behind your photo. You didn't have to be, you know, videoed. Um, But now everything has changed and Instagram just pushed the real feature. I think you guys all know this and probably feel it um, because photos just don't get the engagement like they used to. So I upped the ante and so I used to get precious about it and I thought, I'm stressing myself out about this and there's nothing I can do about it. The algorithm has no feelings. They don't care about us. We just have to get on with it. And I've always had to pivot anyway. 
it's just another pivot for me. So I'm just going to get on with it and do it. So you know what? I lose probably about 80 followers a day. It's ridiculous. But um, but then you must get you must gain more than that a day though. I'd imagine. Oh no, not not at the moment. I'm actually losing followers at the moment. There was all through um the pandemic, I gained a lot of followers. But um, since all this real and photograph stuff, I've I feel like I've lost followers, but it doesn't bother me because the people that do follow me are the ones that count. Um, I'm not too concerned about that, but I'm just thinking like, I think people that really appreciated the photo of a still probably don't want to see video content all the time. But then at the same time, you sort of have to do what Instagram wants you to do because then how how else are you going to be seen if they don't push the photographs? But um, it, mm. it's a real hard place for all artists to be. I actually I have empathy for all artists um, right now. And I, you know what? Someone should really create a photograph platform because I'll be in it. I'll sign up for that one. Someone needs to do that now. I think we are think, talking about it. Someone messaged me the other day, an artist, and she said, oh, some, some developers are trying to come up with something that's, I think we will have to pay for it. But then the benefit of that will be it's not all about the, algorithm so much oh, okay I mean. let me know when that happens I'll yeah I'll yeah definitely sign up. I'm sure I mean, it'll be ages another platform but you know but yeah I I basically so I batch my content and I also during COVID during the pandemic I that was when I actually did my first Insta story during the pandemic I never did stories before I never really wanted to do videos but I had all this time at home and videos was you know getting pushed and I thought you know what, I'm gonna try it and I, I got it got received so positively that it encouraged me to do more. So I did so many videos when I was at home during the pandemic. And so now what I do is I repurpose my content. So even the reel I did yesterday about my husband, um, I just, I basically just repurposed all old videos of him over time and just used it because, you know, I I had it in my phone because I didn't want to create anything. I didn't want to sit down and do a video of myself. So tomorrow I might do a time lapse of me doing my art. I tr- I try to keep it varied because I feel like I sort of think about it like how my daughter eats food. She never likes the same meat every day or the same breakfast every day. She likes something different. So I try to keep my reels different every time. I don't know. I'm weird like that. But um, in, no, it's good. But in terms of like how I present myself and my camera equipment, I actually dabbled in. I mean, I had also an interest in fashion when I was younger and I actually did a fashion blog as well. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to be a fashion blogger as well as an artist. And, um, it actually got me, um, interested in, you know, a DSL, having a DSLR camera and how I should shoot myself. So it gave me a bit of confidence in how I should look. And so I think that helped me with my videos and my real content. So just in terms of like my outfits and presentation and, I don't know. I I don't know if that um, is important for anyone. I mean, for some artists, it's not important at all. Takes me back to when Tara and I were doing some YouTube videos, and we decided, oh, we're looking, we're looking a bit old. So we were having a chat on um, on video on Zoom, I think it was, and we tested out the theory that um, taping up your face with uh, masking tape might work. First of all, it was a neck, and then we just said, actually, it could do with an eyebrow lift. Let's do that. So in the end, we were both covered in tape. Actually, I don't think this is going to work. Do you, do you both do YouTube? 
Do you both do YouTube? We have. We have done. Are you going we, to? We've, we've both done it as kick. Kick and the Creators has a YouTube channel, okay. and we did some really fun videos. They are okay, pretty I'll ridiculous, check it out. some of them, but they were great, great fun. Uh, the only thing is, it was incredibly time-consuming. So because Kick and the Creatives have grown so much, um, and we've had to, we put a lot of time into podcasting and all the other things, we kind of let it go a bit. But um, yeah, there's some really funny videos on on there that we've done, uh, you know, in the past. You might you might find oh funny. Oh my god, I'll definitely they are check stupid. it out. <laughs> I'll check it out for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, Tara, anyway, back I think to you. Gonna... Back to you. Yes. I, I wanted to ask, what would you say is the best way for a novice artist to develop their own unique style? Yeah. Okay. I think what's important is you draw or paint as much as you can till you find a style that you are happy with and you feel passionate about until you find something that you really enjoy doing because you just sort of get into a mode. And I think also like whoever your favorite artist is not not copy but just sort of like um take from it what you like and and maybe just sort of not use it in your work but just sort of consider it um well what whatever it is you see in artist's work that you like just sort of consider it in your work and then just do your make everything your own it, it's really hard that's a hard one actually um because you know, everybody's so different. Were you, were you influenced by somebody? No, I wasn't influenced. No? Yeah, no, I wasn't. I, it was, I, as in, are you talking about other artists? Yeah, other artists. Did you used to see other artists who did oh, figurative yeah. work? I was definitely oh. influenced by artists. I mean, everyone, I mean, everyone that can see my work can see the influence from, say, uh, Picasso, Matisse, Francis Bacon, Brett Whiteley. I absolutely adored all these artists. Um, I was definitely influenced, but when I draw, I, I do my own thing. So I may have had something that sort of is similar, but it's still my own work. So it's sort of, yeah, it's like how you see a lot of artists doing sort of Picasso style stuff in, in NFT world, but it's really their own work. Yeah. So, and it's like street art as well. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's a hard one, but I, I think just to produce as much as you can, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't really matter until you find a style that you really like and you really enjoy that, and then you develop some sort of momentum and then, you know, until it becomes, you know, a habit and a way of life and, you know, you, you can't be without it, I suppose. I just wanted to ask you, because I first discovered you around a similar time, I think, as Tara did, because I remember Tara saying, have you ever seen the work of Carmel Jenkins? And I was like, yeah, I have, because I I found you on Instagram. Oh, wow. Um, and Tara had discovered you on Twitter because you were selling your work as NFTs. Yes. And so, and Tara was trying to, well, you, Tara's now quite successful at yes, selling she's NFTs. Yes, doing herself. amazing. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I just wondered, you know, obviously NFTs, I must admit, I have found that as, as a whole new rabbit hole. And I, I think yes. you have to, you have to be relentless um, on Twitter to do it. But when did you first get into this kind of new market to sell your art? Um, okay. And because you're very successful at it as well as you're selling your originals, aren't you? Uh, I, I was in the beginning. It sort of slowed down now. But um, 
it's I'll I'll just first of all tell you the story. I'm basically I was I was a bit over what was happening with Instagram with all the algorithms and sometimes my posts would be seen, sometimes they weren't and I was like, oh. And then um you know when you just get fed up with just and I was just relying on this one platform and I was friends with this artist on Instagram. Her, you guys, I think you guys know her. It's Jillian Suzanne. Oh yes. Yeah, she does those beautiful figures as well, and um, oh, they're stunning in their beautiful women, colors. African, African women, queens. yeah, with yeah. their headpieces and just stunning. And I've been friends with her on Instagram for years, and you know, we'd always comment on each other's posts and support each other. And then every time I clicked on her profile, she's like, "I just sold this NFT. I just." I just sold this NFT every single day. And this was probably in September, October last year. And I'm like, I'm really curious about this. And then I, because I listen to art podcasts just for like, you know, for business reasons. And I was listening to, I think it was Art Storefronts. And they were talking, they were talking about someone doing NFTs. And I'm like, what is this? This is crazy. Like, Oh, digital currency and I'm, I couldn't even understand it and I, I you know what to this day I still don't understand it but um you know I'm, I'm <laughs> such a traditional artist I think how am I going to make my work digital I don't want my work to move I like my work the way it is like how do I do I need to get a computer and make my works move I mean and then I was thinking how do I do this uh, uh, ethereum like join a, 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 like I had I had all these things in me. So basically what I did was I talked to Jillian. I sent her a message. I said, oh, my goodness, this NFT world, it sounds amazing. And and she sort of advised me on it and she gave me all the advice and she was doing really well. She was kicking goals and she said, you know what, I'll mentor you and help you step by step get through the process. And she basically held my hand and I decided to, even though I had a lot of traditional artists telling me not to do it because you know what, sometimes I think people are afraid of something that's new um, and also they think of it as a fad. So um, that's probably why I don't talk about it on my Instagram as much because I just like to keep it separate. I just wanted to try something different and pivot and I could see the success Jillian was having and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. I've got nothing to lose. And uh, basically she held my hand and through the process and I had so many questions. I was so lost and so stressed. I just didn't know what I was doing. Probably took me a good two months before I released my first NFT. And um, yeah, basically, I did my first tweet with my first um, my first figure, and it was basically just a, a raw image of one of my drawings. Um, there was nothing digital about it. It was just a digital image of my drawing, and I put it up and. It sold right away, but it sold to Jillian. She supported me, which I didn't know she was going to do, so that was lovely. And sort of the next one I put up I was a bit worried about because, like, this time it's actually really going out there to the world. So um, the second one sold right away as well. So It's all learning, isn't it? And we all learn from each other, and this is why it's so lovely to speak to people like you, really, because, um, you know, we can find out so much from each other, which is always such a big help. Yeah, I mean, if people want to find out more about you, where's the best places they can go to find out? I mean, I I have a website. Um, I mean, probably my Instagram because that's just the main um, where I put all my content, But um, which is at Carmel Jenkin mm. with no S. 
And then it, it's my website that has all my work, which is carmeljenkin.com. Um, I've just joined TikTok and I've only got 23 followers. So <laughs> I, I'm actually okay with that. I like being a little bit, I mean, obviously people are going to know now, but I like being a little bit anonymous and just finding my way. So I haven't promoted it on Instagram or anything that I'm on TikTok. I just, I just want to see how I'll go. Oh, was that me or oh, you? Are we, are we done? So, yeah, that? that was, that was, do you know what? That was me uh, trying to open TikTok to see if I can find oh, you. Okay. I'm so lucky that I've got my own name. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Because they play an ad straight away whenever you get into TikTok, which is really annoying. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll turn that off. I'll find you later. <laughs> I actually, I actually don't. I thought I would. I procrastinated about TikTok for about a year. Um, all my friends were telling me to do it, and I thought, oh, I can't do any more video work than what I'm already doing on Instagram. I thought it's just um, going to kill me. But since joining it, I found that it's really fun. Like it's just quick thinking. Just um, I just treat it like a little diary entry. Like what's my little thought of the day, and then just do a little five second video and then I'm done with it. So I'm not being too serious with it. I'm just trying to do behind the scenes, probably more with my daughter. Um, just trying to keep it a little bit different from Instagram. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really weird because I have to train my mind to think a certain way for Twitter, train my mind to think a certain way for TikTok, train my mind for Instagram reels, and then I'm going to do my art. So it's like, yeah, I'm just constantly thinking. <laughs> Yeah, I do, I do miss blogging that way because all you used to have to think about was blogging, didn't you? Yes, that was it. Blogging. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, blogging. Blogging was great because it was just it was so. I miss that wasn't era. It? It was just so I miss that time. And, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's just everything's video. And it was engaging. I think it was more. It engaging. Definitely, definitely yeah, I think was. It was more I think engaging. Still is just more engaging than something that just moves and it's quite distracting. Um, but that's what people seem to want these days but I don't know I mean there's still mm. a clientele out there that appreciates a still and yeah reading about it so yeah. but well who knows what's coming in the next few years eh? Well, we'll, we'll chat again then the thing is like you always <laughs> have to about pivot the olden days with <laughs> I know we'll be talking about the olden days when nfts and twitters <laughs> But it's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you today. We're so glad we've had you on. It's been an absolute blast. And um, I really hope that we can chat to you again at some time. That would be wonderful. Oh, it's been such an honor to be on here. Thank you so much for having me. You ladies are so easy to talk to. I feel like I've known you for years. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just got lost in, I mean, at first I was really nervous, but yeah. It just got easier as I went along. So I, I hope I didn't waffle too much. I oh, you were cool. fantastic. You can, you, can, you can edit it if I said anything silly. So. <laughs> yeah, thank you so Thanks much. Thanks so much, Carmel. Okay. Take care then. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes.